0: Hello and welcome to the Positive Choices Podcast, where we give you brain based strategies to help children make positive choices, solve social problems, regulate strong feelings, and thrive. I'm Lindsay Keeley, a social and emotional learning specialist, and your host. In today's episode, we're talking about pain. What is it? Why do we experience it? And what specifically can we do to move through it and boost both our healing and our well being? Let's get started. Hi there. Thanks so much for joining me today. And today's special because I am joined by Thomas Keeley, a registered nurse who deals with people who are experiencing pain. He is a para-anesthesia nurse, and I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about what that is and what he does. And fun fact, Thomas Keeley is also my husband. And if you listen to season one of the Positive Choices podcast, you are familiar with him. Um and he did quite a bit of collaborating with me as a co-host in that season. So welcome back, Thomas.
1: Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for having me back. It's been a while. Uh how you been since breakfast? It's been a bit since we talked.
0: Been doing pretty well, just working on the script.
1: <laughs> as some of you may have guessed, since it is the holiday season. We uh, are indeed wearing matching flannel pajamas and Santa hats as we record this.
0: We have a picture on our Positive Choices Instagram account that shows us wearing matching Christmas pajamas. And I know some people might look at that and think, oh, they just did that for the cute picture. But in actuality. It's a
1: lifestyle. It is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We literally are wearing them.
1: Yeah, and not just for this podcast. We've worn these on multiple occasions. Exactly, good use out of these, I think.
0: Exactly, and we're talking about pain, which is a really heavy subject.
1: So why not rock some holiday garb to try to lift the spirits?
0: I agree. It's really great, Thomas, that we're talking about this, and you really are an expert in pain. And I want to ask you a few questions to kind of kick this off as we dive into the research and just kind of build a foundational understanding. And as we were talking about this topic, you gave me a lot of information that I didn't know at all. So um, I thought it'd be helpful to have you go over that.
1: Yeah, in my field of para-anesthesia nursing, we definitely have our share of patients that are having pain and need it addressed, uh, you know, in the short term, sometimes in the long term. And so it's uh, great to get to partner with people to do that and find out what their pain goals are. So I feel pretty blessed to get to do what I do.
0: So what is para-anesthesia nursing?
1: Awesome question. In para-anesthesia nursing, we're concerned with patients that are uh, getting ready to be sedated or are under sedation or coming out of sedation for a procedure. And so we get them ready. We're there uh, while the procedure happens and we're helping them you know, with their pain needs, with their nausea needs. We're there to help our patients stay safe and to do what we can to help them have a nice smooth recovery where they can go home.
0: Now, pain is a big component of your job and what your patients experience. Mm -hmm. Can you just kind of tell us like what pain is and is it bad? Because I feel like a lot of people and myself included, when we hear the word pain, bad feelings kind of arise or there's some negative connotations with that. Can you tell us more about pain?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think most people, when they think of pain, it's immediately a negative association, which, you know, it should be by all means. Physical pain is your body telling you, hey, something's not right here. Whether it's, you know, you stubbed your toe and uh, shouldn't be putting more weight on it or, you know, you broke a leg or what have you. It's it's your body signaling to you, hey, there's an injury here. Uh, be careful. You know, if we, if we didn't feel pain, you know, we, we would probably die off at a very young age because we just wouldn't know the limits of our body. So it's adaptive, basically, and until it's maladaptive. You know, there's pain that, you know, lets you know about injuries in, in an acute form. But uh, then if you're experiencing chronic pain or you're having, uh, you know, nerves firing off action potentials, constantly telling your brain that you're feeling uh, this discomfort, but there is nothing really there, that can happen as well. then on the other side of the spectrum, there's actually a super rare condition called congenital analgesia, which is actually when someone can't feel pain and never have felt pain. And they have to be super careful because they could break their leg playing soccer and have no idea or be having appendicitis, you know, and and get an infection in their peritoneal cavity and get septic, you know, but not feel the pain. And so feeling pain is actually a, a good thing. You know, we need to know it's there so that we know how to protect ourselves.
0: When you told me that for the first time, I was mind blown by that because I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was experiencing discomfort in my body. Mm -hmm. And you just said, you know, there are some individuals who don't experience that form of discomfort and that actually uh, poses challenges of its own. Mm -hmm. And so when you told me that I was able to kind of think differently, like, oh, well, I guess pain is a necessary communication process to Mm -hmm. my human experience. Mm -hmm. And this brings me to another question I have for you. And that is, what observations have you made about how people respond to pain in the clinical setting that you work in? Because I know that my perception of pain has certainly changed as I have been with you. So I'm curious, what do you see in your patients?
1: So some people just kind of accept it as like, okay, this is, uncomfortable but it's not for forever and as uh, part of the healing process my body's just trying to tell me hey something's punctured your skin and your abdomen <laughs> and it's usually something you'd want to know and so yeah feeling that pain is is normal but then on the other side of the spectrum some patients wake up and just writhing pain, which is not to downplay either of these experiences or, or responses to pain. Everyone's different and there shouldn't be any shame in any way conveyed in, in the different reactions to pain. Uh, we're just simply observing them. So, uh,
0: and there I, are, to ask you a quick question, yeah. there are varying levels of like people's pain threshold and tolerance, totally, right?
1: Totally. Yeah. I never judge anyone based on how they wake up from a procedure or how they're feeling before everyone's got their own pain threshold. And uh, as nurses, we have to understand that pain is purely subjective and we have to just take the patient's word for it. There's no other ethical way to go about it. Whatever they say they're feeling, we have to assume that they're feeling and treat it as so.
0: As I've heard you Describe just the overall process of working with patients in your setting Mm. at a very, you know, broad view, not, not giving any names, but just that, that general concept. I've learned that you and your staff and other nurses you work with, you are so responsive and caring. And it makes me feel, it makes me think about the three C's connect, calm, collaborate, mm-hmm. like we talked about in season one, mm-hmm. where you really are so proficient at connecting with your patients. Hey, I can tell that, you know, these things are happening in your body. Let's take some breaths or so you, you give them different calming mm-hmm. strategies, mm-hmm. but basically you're connecting with them and you're validating them in their experience.
1: Yeah, definitely. We're, Come alongside of them and saying, Hey, we're here with you. I like, sounds like that hurts, but we're there not just to treat the physical pain, but you know, the whole patient. So emotionally, psychologically to be, uh, just a healing presence with them, you know, like anybody can just hand somebody some pills and some water, but you know, we're, we're all called to something higher than that in which we're connecting with the patient. You know, you've talked about you know kids don't care what you know till they know that you care. It's the same in the healthcare setting with patients. You know, showing them uh, empathy, compassion. You know, and then just being present with them. You know, uh, like you said, there's other interventions other than pharmacological means to help people uh, treat their pain, like uh, like breathing and meditation type uh, mindfulness exercises. You know, we we implement all those things when someone's having a really hard time, because as we'll talk about here in a bit, your thoughts and your mindset have such a huge effect on what you're feeling and going through.
0: A couple of ways that I saw in the research about the way that we process pain really falls into that fixed versus growth mindset. And one way, Thomas and I were talking about this prior to the podcast, and we coined it type one pain processing. And this is more of that fixed mindset thinking, my pain is so overwhelming, and I'm going to feel like this forever, or maybe even more short term, just ow, ow, I'm in pain, just really focused on the now. And then type two pain processing sounds different. It sounds more along the lines of a growth mindset. You're understanding that you are experiencing discomfort, but you also know that there are things you can do to feel better and that this discomfort you're experiencing is temporary and that things will get better. And the reason why it's important to understand both of the types is because when you're able to adopt more of that growth mindset, that holistic understanding that you have agency and autonomy through healing in your journey, That is helpful for the way that people behave and how seriously they take their follow-up discharge instructions, which might include doing physical therapy, getting up and taking walks using an incentive spirometer, which Thomas can explain to you. It's a very fancy term.
1: No, you got it right. It just basically helps you expand your lungs back out, makes your little alveoli pop open in your lungs so that uh, it's less likely that you get pneumonia.
0: So these are all important things that patients can do after a surgery, and when someone is more in the mindset of, there's something I can do, I have agency, I'm ready to heal, that is much more conducive for successful healing after a surgery. Definitely. And another thing that I came across in the research is how our perceptions affect us at a cognitive level, and this can actually affect not only our you know the way our brains are working, but also our immune system. What do they call this in the medical research?
1: All right. So get ready for this. It's psychoneuroimmunology. And yes, it's all one word. If you uh, got that in Scrabble, it's like instant win forever for all time.
0: Note taken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. The study of you know your psyche and how that affects your central nervous system and how your central nervous system in turn uh, affects your immune system. And uh, so your body getting flooded with you know, stress hormones like cortisol. It's not awesome for healing. It's going to prolong healing. Uh, you know, epinephrine in your bloodstream or adrenaline, uh, you know, it constricts blood vessels. So you're not getting the greatest blood flow to the areas you need it. So being in fight, flight, or freeze uh, while you're trying to heal is not the best.
0: Not optimal.
1: Not optimal. Yeah.
0: I think that I am ready to bring this to a personal level, and this is specifically relates to a surgery, a couple surgeries I had within the last year. Mm -hmm. And I went through this process of reinterpreting pain, and from this point forward, I'm actually not gonna say pain, but instead I'm going to use the word discomfort because Mm -hmm. before my my first surgery, um, and shout out to the doctors at OHSU in Oregon, the doctors there are incredible. And before my first surgery, the scheduling nurse said, okay, we're going to get you set up with a, a, a different appointment. And I said, "Oh, I've already had my pre-op appointments. And she said, we're going to actually set you up with a psychologist at OHSU. We recommend that patients see a psychologist beforehand. That way they're mentally prepared to deal with the pain.
1: That's so cool.
0: It's it's amazing, and it's funny because at that point in time, I didn't understand psychoneuroimmunology, <laughs> and, and so like, I'm
1: totally sane. What? I
0: said, <laughs> I said, oh, that's that's nice. I'm actually really busy, and I don't think I need that. I I fully comprehend what this surgery entails, and they're like, oh, that's cute. You know, go ahead, just have the have the intro, <laughs> sure, kid. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so young, so full of hope, yeah. and so I I was able to learn more. And one of the things I learned. It was extremely valuable to get myself mentally prepared for the healing process. One of the things I learned is to not call it pain, but instead say discomfort. Oftentimes we say, or I know what I used to say is, I'm in pain. Oh my gosh! Like I broke my toe right before our wedding, and I thought that I might have to literally have like a cast or a boot. Hobble down
1: the aisle and
0: hobble down the aisle. White
1: white cast to match the dress.
0: I could have put like blue something borrowed something blue on it. People could
1: have signed your cast instead of our guest book.
0: Opportunity missed there.
1: Yeah, well, next time I guess, huh?
0: When we renew our vows. Yes. I'll break another toe.
1: Pinky promise. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Pinky toe Maybe promise. Maybe I'll do it this time. Oh, that actually would be nice. Yeah, even Steven. Division of labor. Take
1: one for the team, yeah.
0: But all that to say, um, at the time, I was saying, oh my gosh, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And what I learned from the psychology aspect that I went through in preparation for my surgery is that when you say pain, your brain hears that and has that negative response. Oh my gosh, you know, almost like that fight, flight, or freeze. There's a bear chasing me and there's pain. Oh no, that's bad. But when we say something like, I'm experiencing discomfort, Mm -hmm. it's almost like the brain is hearing the word comfort, Mm -hmm. which is much better than hearing the word pain. And also another thing to really be mindful of in our vernacular is saying um, experiencing rather than in. When you say in pain, it's this all-encompassing, state of state of being in which you are all encompassed with this. Right. But when you say experiencing, this is something I'm currently experiencing. It almost gives this insinuation of this being a transient experience. It's, you know, it's, it's currently happening, but
1: there's a timeline, there's
0: a time that I will yeah. get better mm-hmm. and I'm going to move through this all and right. it's helping us reframe that. So, I mean, that's, we'll start, should we start doing the tips?
1: Yeah. Make yeah, it practical. We got some awesome tips that, uh, Lynns was able to get from that psychologist she talked with and they're super super helpful i mean i've i've used them in the last year when i've had an injury or two so it's when you've
0: experienced discomfort
1: when i've experienced discomfort
0: exactly nice and we
1: actually as nurses are supposed to use that vernacular as well you're like,
0: supposed to use discomfort or yeah pain. use comfort really yeah
1: because yeah. again if we say are you experiencing pain people are like pain yes pain i'm having pain and like, <laughs> oh no pain and then they feel like in pain and it's hard to kind of get them to progress you know, as opposed to uh, using the word discomfort, so...
0: That's really... I'm, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, we're supposed to use that vernacular. We're still getting used to it since it's kind of a recent uh, change in standard operating procedures, but...
0: It's a it's a really neat a mindset, thing. definitely. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing that... Our first tip is to rebrand the idea of pain, a.k.a. discomfort. So rather than, um, let's say, my body is betraying me, that's... Some people have a really negative or not ideal relationship with our body especially those who experience chronic pain um, discomfort I'm correcting myself yeah, so because <laughs> yes it can it can feel like we're thinking come on work with me you know mm-hmm. my body's supposed to be yeah. maybe healing at a faster timeline or it's just, like we mentioned before, kind of all encompassing. But so rather than saying, my body betrayed me or hey, I'm. Too brutal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, rather than saying, I'm in pain or my body's betraying me, my body's my enemy, that's some things that come up in, in the psychological research surrounding this topic. We can say things like, as we mentioned, I'm experiencing discomfort. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, my body is talking to me. Yeah hey, body, you can have this little back and forth dialogue, kind of like when we talked about Mm self-compassion, and you use this vernacular where you're kind of talking to yourself and you're giving yourself like a pep talk. And actually, in the research, it shows that when you give yourself these little pep talks or use self-compassion in that way, Mm -hmm. it does make a difference.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know talking to yourself in the same way that you would talk to a loved one.
0: Exactly. Experiencing
1: that same pain. I think so many of us are so much harder on ourselves. I think it's almost universal that we are our own worst critic. <clears throat> and so uh, reframing and rethinking and, and talking to your body and everything it's going through as if it's a loved one is uh,
0: really beneficial, they found. Exactly. So you're saying this discomfort is actually communication. So you can say, um, hey, body, what are you telling me? <laughs> What's going on? Because this is Oh, important. it hurts to
1: breathe? All right. All right. Is, you know, <laughs> thanks for letting me know.
0: Let's call the doctor and, and yeah. tell our doctor these symptoms. So uh-huh. um, tip one, well, it's actually tip one 1.2. Tip one was Santa hat. So tip 1.2 yeah. is to rebrand the idea of pain, say discomfort, and remember that your body's talking to you. Tip number two is to breathe.
1: So if anyone knows their stuff about breathing, it's Definitely you. You have it uh, in the curriculum. You teach kids how to do certain breaths. They call you the breath queen on the streets. Yes, yes. That's what I've been hearing.
0: I'm commonly referred to as that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a YouTube video that has a variety of calming breaths. And this is for kids. So this yeah. podcast is more for adults and providing you information. But if you go on YouTube and you search positive choices, positive is spelled P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E because of the animal characters that have paws. We have some videos, some really neat videos for kids that talk about ways to breathe. So we'll, we'll link that in the show notes. Yeah. Tip number three is to practice self-compassion. And we talked about this earlier, but just to reiterate, when you practice self-compassion towards your body, that has an amazing effect on healing. So you could tell yourself feeling afraid or anxious or upset is normal when someone's experiencing discomfort you're telling yourself, I know this feels scary, but I'm right here for you. You're telling your body that we can do this and this is normal. It's okay to feel this way. Tip number four is to remind your brain that these feelings, this experience of discomfort is temporary. You can tell your brain that this is a short-term experience and that you can do this. You can move through this and this is something that your body is capable of handling. And the last tip, tip number five, is to distract your brain from the discomfort. So for me, because my first surgery was an eight-week healing process and I couldn't really move around much, I was limited in what I could do to distract myself. So I actually had the perfect excuse to binge watch Netflix. I think it was a Netflix uh, series.
1: I think it still is on Netflix. Yeah.
0: It's called When Calls the Heart. How many seasons are there? Do you remember?
1: I don't. Too many.
0: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> eight too many. I think there's eight seasons. Eight seasons. So okay, that, that just right. goes to show you how much distracting my brain needed. But this really is an effective thing to do to help yourself redirect That the emotional toll that discomfort can have on your psychological state of being.
1: That's not to say that denial is a path that you want to go down either. I think there's a fine line between distracting yourself and redirecting versus denial, which is, you know, you're crippling pain but you're just telling yourself i have no pain i you know yes like there's a lot of people that got injured that should have come in and gotten procedures way earlier you know and now it's a lot worse so
0: because they were distracting themselves preemptively
1: exactly yeah like oh i went inside and cracked a beer and watched cops until 11 p.m and when i woke up that's when i decided to go to the er you know it's like you should have gone last night so so so
0: this tip of um redirecting your your brain's thought process. This is after you've received the medical attention that you needed, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah. Just saying there's there's obviously boundaries on everything. So yeah, there's a difference between distraction and denial.
0: Exactly. And all these tips we just listed, these are things that obviously as adults, it's helpful for us to do for our own healing journey and for our own psychoneuroimmunology, but this is also helpful for our children and students. And so here's kind of what it can sound like if you're coaching a child through discomfort, whether it's physical or emotional, here's how the tips can sound. So let's say your child falls off their bike and hurts their knee and they're bleeding, and you know that you need to get your child to the doctor. Here's how you could coach them as they're experiencing this You could actually start with breathing, and that's tip number two. So you can reverse the order from tip one of rebranding. And then we said tip two was breathing, but if you just reverse those, sometimes that's what's needed because the child needs to pause and calm their nervous system down. So taking those breaths might be the most helpful thing before you dive into talking about rebranding the idea of pain, um, which would definitely sound different. It might sound something more to the effect of your body's talking to you. Your brain, your body's telling your brain that your knee hurts, and so now we're going to do something to help you feel better. While you're en route to the doctor or as you're putting on a band-aid, taking that next step to help the physical discomfort, you could say something to the effect of, it's normal to feel upset if you can see that your child's visibly upset. If you have looked at the positive choices curriculum or if you've listened to a previous episode about calming, we have something called a glitter brain frame. And that's just a tool that helps kids understand that sometimes their brains can feel mixed up. All the stress hormones, the cortisol, the different parts of their brain that get affected by stress, it can make it hard for them to focus. And so um, you could say, it's okay to feel mixed up that is normal. I'm right here for you. And we're going to do something to help you. So that's what it could sound like to implement tip three, which is to practice self-compassion. And then tip four is to remind your brain that this is temporary. So you could tell a child, you know what, this is temporary. I know that your brain is feeling like this hurts, but It's not going to last forever, and you can do this. We're going to move through this together. And then finally, tip five was to distract your brain from the pain. And again, you're helping your child by saying, let's do something now to give your brain something else to focus on. I know that your knee doesn't feel well now, but let's get off the Legos, or um, let's turn on Paw Patrol, whatever it is. Or let's watch Saboomafoo. Is that even a thing? Is that still
1: Throwback Thursday, man? I know well, it's Tuesday today, but nice. Fun I forgot fact. about Zibumurfu. Was that the lemur?
0: Yes, I think so. And there was the messy closet, uh-huh. which totally looks like a closet For- in foreshadowing our house. Shadowing
1: of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I always thought, what a slob watching that, and then
1: yeah, I'm like, I get it, man. I I get get it. (laughs)
0: Yes. So I don't know if Zabumafu is still airing, but some kind of, um, some kind of maybe family, like a family card game, playing Legos, doing something to kind of um, get their mind distracted. Mm -hmm. So those are the tips that we've talked about for adults and also for children alike. I'd like to note that, That last tip, tip five about distracting or redirecting their attention, that is helpful. However, it is critical that you begin by connecting with them and not skip over the step of helping them understand that oh, you you fell, your knee hurts, um, and and telling them that it's normal to feel sad or upset and allowing them to process that something happened. So I think that's really critical that we keep in mind the importance of helping children process what's happening, uh, making sense of their experience. In the research, this is called forming a cohesive narrative. So just be sure to fully acknowledge what's happened before you do the redirecting and refocusing of attention.
1: So this week, obviously, we've been talking about discomfort in the physical sense, you know, your body relaying signals of pain to you. Next week, we're actually going to dive into uh, more of the psychological side of things, emotional pain, because um, we don't just have physical pain, right? There's emotional, psychological. Life's hard and we experience that. And so we're going to use some of these tips and some others to kind of navigate and heal through those circumstances.
0: Next week, we're also going to be talking about how you can mentally prepare for stressful events. So if you have to give a speech or a wedding toast, if you're trying to help your child who's really anxious about taking a test.
1: A huge uh, mini golf face-off coming up.
0: Yes, ping pong championship for nationals or districts. Yeah. We're going to be talking about (laughs) things you can do to really help yourself navigate those stressful events and reinterpret them to help you feel successful. Yeah. As we wrap up this episode, we want to give a couple shout outs. First one goes to Shelly Maurice Meyer, an incredible psychotherapist who was actually one of the professionals who reviewed the Positive Choices social-emotional curriculum, and she provided insight, feedback, and she was very instrumental in my process of learning how to change my vernacular from in pain to experiencing discomfort. So, thank you, Shelly Maurice Meyer.
1: And I want to give a huge shout-out to my fellow Ben Surgery Center staff. You may never hear this, but if you do, just know that you are awesome also i want to give a shout out to my buddies over in redmond thanks for listening guys and we'll see you thursday for pizza and that goes to my buddies in redmond not not the rest of you i'm sorry
0: maybe we'll do a meet and greet pizza event sometime after covid resolves if that ever happens
1: and then all six of our listeners could come and meet us
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) and like four of them are family members
1: yeah right (laughs) <laughs> One of them's me, I have to confess.
0: And the other one's me, so. Uh, hey, that
1: we're all accounted for. It'll be a family affair.
0: <laughs> in all seriousness, we do want to thank all of our listeners who tune in from around the world. You are amazing, and we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to tune in. Hope that you have a wonderful week, and we will talk with you soon. Take care.